And in here with me, it's Matthew chapter 28 this morning as we look at the scriptures pertaining to the resurrection of our Lord. Our Lord is alive. Everybody else that's worshipped is dead. If it's men worshiping men, well, they're worshiping something that's dead. If it's men worshiping a rock carved to look real nice, well, it's dead. Robin and I were in the Philippines a few years ago. I think it was 2017, and then I went again in 2018. And in the Philippines, they have this, maybe several places, but close to where we were, they have this big statue of, of, of Mary, what they think Mary looked like. And supposedly about this time every year, that statue does something. I don't know what it was. Was it bleed from the eye or the hand or something? Is that right? Uh, and uh, thousands upon thousands line up to get to that statue. I've watched with my own eyes on television in the Catholicism cult, many watch a man up on a balcony with their arms toward him, with tears running down their cheek with their arms toward the Pope. He's dead in his sins without Christ. Amen. And that statue is dead. You know, the Bible goes as far as to say that as whatever we're worshiping, we're like that. The prophets in the Old Testament said, if you carve a statue and you worship that statue, it has no ears to hear. It has no eyes to see. It has no mouth to speak, and you are like it. You are like it. Amen. You are like what you worship. We are like Christ. In Christ. Amen. Our Jesus, our Lord, our Savior is alive. And I'm thankful for the scriptures that reveal that to us and the Spirit of God that we have that dwells in us. The Spirit of Christ, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ that dwells within our hearts. We couldn't have the Holy Spirit if He wasn't alive. You couldn't have the Spirit of God if He wasn't alive, not dwelling in you, because it is the Spirit of Christ. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to draw, as it began to dawn, rather, toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the grave. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him... The keepers or the guards shook and became as dead men. That means they passed out. They hit the dirt, passed out from what they saw, this angel coming in out of heaven, rolling the stone back from the door and sitting upon the stone. 
letting them know you're not in charge of this rock. God is in charge of the rock. And let me remind you this morning that the rock didn't need to be rolled away from the grave for Jesus to come out. He was already gone. Rolling the stone away was to show us that he wasn't in there. He was already gone. Do you know that when Jesus died, they took his body and put it in that grave? But before his physical body ever made it in that grave, he was already in paradise preaching. That's what your Bibles teach. He was already in paradise preaching to those spirits there. He wasn't laid up in a grave in a tomb dead. His body was there. But he went by the Spirit of God into the lower parts of the earth, the Bible says, paradise. We know he went because he told the, the, the man, the thief on the cross, that he'd be with him there that day. You'll be with me in paradise today. You know, all the other uh, lies that are out there about what happened to Jesus between the, his death and, and, and the grave and his resurrection and all that. There's a lot of lying out there that Jesus took on the sin nature of Satan on the cross and became a sinner, actually. That's not in your Bible. He was not a sinner. He took our sin upon him. Some lie and say he went to hell and had to suffer for you, but he didn't suffer in hell. He suffered at Calvary. There are men, famous preachers, big known names that teach Jesus had to go to hell and suffer. He didn't go to hell and suffer. Amen. He suffered on the cross. And he overcame all principalities and powers on the cross. And because of what he was doing there on the cross, he would be able to be raised out of death on the third day. He literally died. Some men teach Jesus really didn't die. But Jesus died. He had to die. Because the wages of sin is death. And it was our sin that he paid the wages for. You don't have to pay the price for your sins because Jesus paid that price. And because he paid that price, only because he paid that price was he able to come out of the grave. The power of the resurrection is the cross. The power of the resurrection is the cross. And when you preach the resurrection, you're preaching the cross. And when you preach the cross, you're preaching the resurrection. I'm not going to preach it again, but I encourage you to go back and listen to last year's Resurrection Sunday message where we learned that the life, the resurrection life was in the death of Jesus. And his death is going to be expressed by those who were alive by resurrection power. That's biblical. But I want us to read these scriptures this morning and I want you to, to understand that a man died for you, the Son of God, and that man came up out of that grave. He's alive right now. He walked on this earth for 40 days. 
He showed himself. He let people touch him. He ate with people. He taught them for 40 days, and he was seen by in excess at one moment of over 500 people. I'm talking about scriptures I'm talking about this morning. So what we believe is not make-believe. It's not pretend that he's alive. If he's not alive, we're not saved. If he's not alive, we don't have the Spirit of God living within us. If he's not alive, there is no heavenly place for us. He is alive. How do I know? Because he fills my heart with who he is. Let me say this morning, the grave is empty, but our hearts are full. Death lost its warring efforts. It couldn't stand up against the one who is our life. The grave is empty. Our hearts are full of Christ, who is our hope of glory. Our hearts are full of Christ. The Lord has held and walked his church through 2,000 years. A fable couldn't keep us that long. Just a good story couldn't keep us this long. But the spirit of Christ that dwells within us can keep us forever. Hallelujah. Verse 4 again, and for fear of him, this angel, the guards did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Angel points back to Calvary. Mm. He is not here because he is risen. Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine being there? I can't really get a good picture of that. I mean, I can think of something. But notice the women didn't quake and pass out. Just the guards who were there for the wrong reason. If you're hanging around Jesus for the wrong reason, you're going to get in trouble. If you're looking for Jesus for the right reason, you're going to find the reason he died and was raised for you. Mm. He's not here because he's risen. Look at the next two words, as he said. Told you so. Jesus already told you he's going to be raised from the dead. You understand this morning that if Jesus told you something, it's going to happen. And you can find what he's telling you right here in your Bible. If it's been spoken, it's going to be carried out. He is the living word who cannot fail. He's not here because he's risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. I want you to be sure, the angel said. <laughs> I want you to come look in here. I'll show you he's not here. And they watched the angel roll the stone back and sit on it. 
and then said, come on in. I want to prove to you he's not here. He's already gone. Hmm. Verse 7. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Notice those words, from the dead. Life only comes out of death. Resurrection only comes out of death. As I said earlier today, the resurrection life was always in the blood. Offered to you through your faith in the blood. Hmm. He's risen from the dead. And behold, he's already gone before you into Galilee. He's still ahead of you. There shall you see him. My goodness, there it is. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the grave with fear and great joy. Do you have that great joy this morning? Do you know your Jesus paid for your sins? He part- I like that song this morning. It says, he pardoned and sanctified us. Both. That's two things. He pardoned you and set you apart with power to live with resurrection power, the crucified life. Mm. And they departed quickly from the grave with fear and great joy. The grave was empty, but all of a sudden their hearts are full of joy. Great joy. Is your heart still full of great joy? Has this message become just an, uh, just okay, whatever, yeah, I already know it. I, or is, uh, Do you still have great joy? Because your Savior is alive. He lives in your heart. It's not a fable. It's not make-believe. It's not just something that, that we, have to, we have to have good thoughts about something to make it through this world. No, we have... God, in the person of his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of his Son dwelling in our hearts, filling our hearts with great joy as long as our faith is in what he did at Calvary. We have that resurrection life. They went quickly. They departed quickly from the empty grave. With great joy, and did run to bring his disciples word. Mm. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. <laughs> that means rejoice. That's what that means. Rejoice. Jesus met them, a man who was dead, and yet he lives and says, Rejoice. What's the scripture that says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What I got to be glad about? Jesus is alive. If that ain't enough for you, you're going to be miserable the rest of your life. But when your Savior, having died and pardoned you and risen to make your hope alive again, is enough for you You'll run this race with great joy. 
Great joy. Great joy. Nothing's ever going to be just right except Jesus. He's always just right. Nothing in this world is ever going to be just right, but the plan of God is just right. Everything else is just wrong. <laughs> mm. Jesus met them saying, all hell. That means rejoice. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. They came and held him by the feet and worshiped him, the one who is alive. Do you worship him when you arise in the morning? Or them hard heads on the job got your attention? Do you worship him when you go to bed at night? Are you worried about what them hard heads did that day? I'm talking to myself this morning. There's nothing right in this world but Jesus and what he's doing. And he's the only one that can do what's right. Hmm. Verse 10, Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brothers that they go into Galilee. and There they shall see me. They shall do what? They shall see me. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 and in chapter 12 verse 2, we see Jesus. We see Jesus. Well, I don't see him. Oh, if you're looking at Calvary, you see him. You got to look to Calvary to recognize a risen Savior. Mm. I said you got to look to Calvary to recognize a risen Savior. Because it's what he did at Calvary that makes him recognizable to you as a living, risen Savior. Amen. Jesus overcame, the Bible says, all principalities and powers in his death. Not his resurrection. The power, that's how we know the power of the resurrection is the power of the cross. He didn't triumph over all principalities and powers in his resurrection. That's not what the Bible says. Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 tell us that Jesus triumphed over all principalities and powers, making an open show of them publicly in his cross. The power... Resurrection power, resurrection life is in the blood. It's in the blood. That's how you have the risen Savior dwelling in your heart because of your faith in what he did at Calvary. Mm. Be not afraid, Jesus said. Don't be afraid. Go tell your brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. He wanted them to see him. Do you know it would not have been right if Jesus had not shown himself? God knew this. If Jesus would have just died and there would have been no proof of his resurrection, then there would have been no proof that what he did at Calvary really worked. The resurrection is the proof that the cross saves. 
That's enough right there. The resurrection of Christ is the proof that the cross worked. Mm. Mm. Look at Romans chapter 10 this morning. Just one verse here in verse 9, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. The proof we have in the Bible that you must believe Jesus was raised from the dead in your heart to be saved and to go to heaven. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you're not going to heaven. I read recently of a man who said, if you study the word of God with an honest heart, you, you, you can't get around Jesus being raised from the dead. But then he said, but nevertheless, I don't believe he was the son of God. That's where we get the phrase right there. This is where the phrase comes from, duh. Duh is short for dumb. Not being ugly. But who else could be raised from the dead? But the Son of God. And when I say raised from the dead, I mean raised from the dead to never die again. Other people have been raised from the dead. But they all went on and died again. Jesus is the firstborn, the Bible says, from the dead who will never die again. Romans 10 and 9, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. The phrase the Lord Jesus refers to what he did at Calvary where he became Lord to men at Calvary. And shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You must believe Jesus has been raised from the dead because if you don't, that means you don't believe what he did at the cross was enough to raise him from the dead. Everything stems back to Calvary. Everything. The Bible doesn't say the lamb was resurrected before the foundation of the world. The Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world because it would take the cross and everything, even the resurrection, is centered around the cross. But if there had been no resurrection, then there would be no proof that you could really be saved. But because Jesus is alive, you have proof that Jesus saves and Jesus heals and Jesus delivers and Jesus restores, and Jesus comforts, and he does everything that we need him to do according to the will of God. Let's read this again. This is one of the most popular verses in our Bibles. They call it the Romans road to salvation there in Romans chapter 10. Very crucial that you have to believe in your heart Jesus died for your sins to pardon you, and you have to believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. You have to believe it in your heart. It can't just be something I agree with historically. It has to be something that in your heart you believe it. That means when you believe something in your heart, you give your heart to that. That's what believing something means. You give yourself to that. Amen. Now let's look at John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Just a few Bible verses this morning to remind us 
that Jesus told us what he was going to do. He did it, and if we believe it, we will experience abundant and everlasting life. Abundant and everlasting life is now. It is today. I said it is now. It is today. You have abundant life. You have eternal life. Paul told Timothy to lay hold on that eternal life that you already have. That means you got to lay hold on Jesus, who he is, and what he did. What did he do? He lived a perfect and sinless life and then he laid it down for my imperfect, my unperfect and sinful life. Shed his blood so I could be pardoned and then God was, it raised him on the third day so the hope that I, when I hear the gospel can be a lively hope because the, the resurrection of Christ, the Bible says, brings again our lively hope. Because Jesus died and they didn't really know what he'd done until he came out of the grave. And then the hope they had had in him came alive again. The resurrection does birth a lively hope. Hallelujah. It proves that what he did at Calvary works and that nothing else will for the will of God to be carried out. John chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus says, Therefore does my Father love me. What for? What's the verse in this context here? He's talking about laying his life down. Watch this very carefully this morning. Therefore does my Father love me. Why? Because I lay down my life that I might take it again. First, I got to lay it down so that I can take it again. First, I have to lay it down before I can take it again. And until I take it again, you can't have a part of it. If Jesus didn't come out the grave, you don't have a part in any life. Amen. He says, no man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Jesus came with the power to die. That's why, that's why no man could kill Jesus. Sickness couldn't kill Jesus. He couldn't die by strangulation. He couldn't just die. He had to die on a tree through the shedding of his blood because it had to be according to the Scriptures. And that's what the Scriptures said. That's how he would die. Cursed is the man that hangs on the tree. Jesus had to hang on a tree. It's called a cross for us. It was just an old tree. Y'all looking at me like that was blasphemous. It was just an old couple of logs nailed together that they put him on that Paul called the cross because it was a cross. But we don't preach a wooden beam. We don't preach a tree. We preached a crucified, buried, and risen Savior. Mm. And it... And on the hill of Calvary, there was evil and there was good. What the Pharisees, what Israel was doing to Jesus was evil. 
But what Christ was doing by the commandment he received of his father was good. Good and evil on the hill called Calvary. Satan threw his best punch that day and the Lord turned it around and knocked his head smooth off with it. Crushed his head, isn't that the promise? Crushed his head with his own death blow. Turned around and slapped his, <laughs> slapped his head plumb up. But there was good and evil on the hill that day. Men were doing evil, but God was turning it into that which was good. That's powerful. Hmm. Let's read this again. Jesus said in verse 17, Therefore does my Father love me. Why does my Father love me? That's powerful, isn't it? I'm telling you why my Father loves me. This is why. Because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Well, didn't the Father already love him? Yes. But Jesus speaks here as the man that he was. See, Jesus was fully God and fully man. He wasn't half man and half God. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead indwelt him in his body. But he was yet a fully, he was fully man. He had to be fully man to pay the price for men. He couldn't pay it as God. Man had, man was guilty of sin. Man owed the price. Man had to pay the price. So God had to become fully man. And when Jesus is saying this, he's speaking, my father loves me. Why does he love me? Because I'm going to lay down my life so that I might take it again. This we see a great truth hidden in this for those who hunger to see that the love of God is only found in this one place where Jesus laid his life down and took it up again. For God so loved the world that he gave to prove his love so that men could love him, have his love, experience his love. He had to give his son on the tree in death for our sins, be buried and put away, and raised again on the third day so that we could partake of this love of God. The only partaking place for men for the love of God is through faith in the sacrifice, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no experience of God's love outside of that. And this is a powerful statement Jesus is making. Therefore does my Father love me because I lay down my life so that I might take it again. No man takes it from me but I lay it down on myself. You know the stories of Jesus being out on the, on the edge of a big cliff or a mountain, whatever it was, and they wanted to stone him. They wanted to throw him off the mountain. He just somehow, I don't know, I wasn't there, I didn't see it, but somehow he just walks right through them and gets away. 
because it wasn't his time. He could not be stoned. He could not have his neck cut. He could not be strangled. He could not be... Jesus couldn't die. He didn't have a sin nature in him. He couldn't be sick. You serve a, a powerful Savior. He had to die on the tree through the shedding of his blood. Does not the Bible say there's no remission of sins without the shedding of blood? He had to shed his blood. Why? Because the life you have in him is found in his blood. The resurrection life you have in Christ is found in his blood. <laughs> No man takes it from me. Men thought they were, but Jesus didn't even die till he gave up his spirit. Till he gave it up. He had to give it up because it was in his power. We just read it. It's in his power to lay it down, and his power, he held the power alone to raise it up. He had the power to lay it down. It took him to lay his own life down. To be willing to surrender to this death for you and me. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment, commandment. This is why the Bible speaks of a legal system. In Romans 6, Paul talks about when you obeyed that form of doctrine. This is why the Bible speaks of a judicial system. The whole world now is, is in a big trial. It's a court case. It's already been settled. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is the one who came with the commandment. It's his obedience to that commandment that saved our souls. It's his obedience to lay his life down and to take it up again. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Let's turn over to our last selection of scriptures this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. If you got it, say, I got it. Boy, ain't me and y'all got it. <laughs> Some of you got them smartphones, don't make no noise. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you follow along in your Bibles in church so that your eyes can look upon the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's just start in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved, if you, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, 
Have you ever seen all that in the Scriptures? Have you ever seen the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus in the Old Testament? It's there for you to see. It's all there for you to see. Get you an expositor study Bible, and the notes are in there with the Scriptures for you to be able to go back and look. The Scriptures are there. Jesus being raised on the third day is in Hosea. Jesus suffering for our sins is in Isaiah. It's in the Old Covenant. It had to be. Because the new covenant is the old covenant being revealed. The new covenant is what was concealed all those years. Verse 5. And that he was what? Verse 5. And that he was what? Seen of Cephas, Peter. Then he was seen of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brothers at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. Now, I don't have it here in my notes, but I believe, I believe, I, I know it's there, but I don't know exactly where it's at. I think it's in Matthew chapter 27, that says after the resurrection that the saints of the old got up out the grave and went into Jerusalem. That's in your Bible. David got out the grave and went into Jerusalem. I said that out there where I worked one time. I worked in a place where a bunch of office cubes, glass about up to here, and everybody could see everybody's head and hear everything going on. And I said, when Jesus came out of the grave, the graves of the Old Testament saints opened up and the saints got out of them and went into Jerusalem. They said, where's that at in the Bible? That's what I'd say if I'd never seen it. <laughs> it's in your Bible, Matthew 27. Saints of the old got up out the grave and went into Jerusalem. That's how powerful the resurrection of Christ was. I said, that's how powerful the resurrection of Christ was. If the, if the resurrection of our Savior is powerful enough to open up the graves and bring all the Old Testament saints out of them and walk into Jerusalem, man, we got some power today. We forfeit most of it. It's all based on what we're doing with the sacrifice. Because there's where the life comes from. Hmm. The, the, the resurrection of Christ was so powerful that in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to all be resurrected together at the rapture, which is the resurrection, the next resurrection to take place. The rapture and the resurrection of the saints are all, that's the same thing. Because the dead in Christ going to rise first and then those who are still here remaining on the earth in the faith, they're going to go right then too. The, let me just say the cross was enough to save anybody and raise everybody from the dead that believes. Mm. Now let's... 
Let's keep reading here in verse 7. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Jesus, he doing his job. He's doing his job. He's carrying out his mission, the mission of why he was sent. I had to die. I had to be buried. I had to raise myself from the dead by the glory of the Father that came out of the death that I had the power to carry out. And I got to show myself to those who the Father wants to see me. You know, if you want to see Jesus, you can see Jesus. I'm not talking about some flake that weirdness. I'm talking about the way the Bible talks that we see him. You can see him. Mm. And last of all, he was seen of me, Paul says, also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called don't deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all of them. But yet it wasn't me. It was the grace of God which was with me. And the grace of God means the spirit of grace who is the Holy Spirit that he had working with him only one reason. Jesus died, was buried, and risen from the dead so Paul could have this spirit of grace, the Holy Spirit. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach. And so you believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how come some of y'all saying there ain't no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ didn't rise either. If there is no resurrection of the dead, Christ didn't rise either. And there were some men back in this day teaching, it's in your Bible, that the resurrection had already passed. And Paul called their names out, bless God. Don't do it today. Your ministry will go from 2000 to 2. Call nobody's name out now. Paul called the names out, said who they were, teaching false stuff. <laughs> I used a good word. Resurrection hadn't passed. The resurrection of Christ has passed. But there's a resurrection coming. And my name's on that list. What's that old song says? When they call a roll up yonder, I'll be there. John Curtis Hutchinson, over here, right here. Thank you for that blood. When they call my name on that list, I'll be shouting hallelujah. I'll be shouting before then. Verse 13, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? He didn't rise either. Now, Paul's having to write this because there's some people saying this ain't true. And whether it's people who's come in from the outside to mess up what's going on on the inside, or it's just some spirit of doubt and unbelief that's in the saved church 
We don't really know, but we know there's a problem there. There's a problem there. Some folks aren't believing. They're being lied to, saying that Jesus didn't really raise from the dead. Probably saying that because they didn't see him. Verse 14, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching, it's in vain. And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. You see, Paul's tying those two things here together. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, everything we're doing is in vain, and we're not going to be raised from the dead either. You die, you are like an old dog. That's it. But that ain't it. You know the Bible teaches in Ecclesiastes that the Lord has put eternity into every man's heart. That means every man knows this ain't it. This is not it. That's why there's so many religions and every one of those religions have plans for the afterlife. But there ain't no afterlife for anybody who didn't find true life in Christ Jesus. There's some religions out there, some of y'all women better be glad you ain't in it because when the man dies, they will kill his wife too and his horse and put them on a floating thing and, 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 and put hay and straw all over them, push them out in the water and light them on fire because they got to all end up in the same place. See, you'll be thinking stuff like that if you don't have a Bible. <laughs> if it's not that, it'll be something else weird. We are in Christ. We were crucified with him. We were buried with him. We were resurrected with him, in him. And he's coming back for us. And everybody who's died since he came and died for everybody and was buried for everybody and was raised on the third day for everybody, he's coming back for all those. Verse 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you are in your sins. If Christ didn't come out of the grave, you're still a sinner and you're still guilty. See, that right there confirms that your faith really has to be in the cross, what he did to forgive you of your sins, and then Jesus proving that what he did for your sins really worked and really did please God because he was raised, the Bible says, by the glory of the Father. The Father had to be pleased at what Jesus did at Calvary or he couldn't raise himself from the dead. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished if there is no resurrection. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I'm so glad. I'm so glad 
that I'm alive in Christ today. I'm glad I'm alive in Him. We don't always have the appearance of that life, but the potential is there for us to have the expression of that life. If our faith remains in the death of Jesus, the shedding of His blood, that's the object of your faith, nothing else. That's the object of your faith. The faith in Christ as the Lamb of God and what He did on the cross allows you to have the experience of His resurrection. You must believe He was resurrected from the dead. For if He wasn't, then you and I are still dead in our sins. And the Bible, the Word of the Lord says that we are of all men most miserable. Which confirms another great truth that without the Spirit of Christ dwelling in our hearts, we are most miserable. And unless we learn the way the Holy Spirit of Christ works, we will still be to some degree greatly miserable. To have something and not understand how it works is quite frustrating. To have a car, but to walk 40 miles a day to job to the job to feed your family because you don't know what to do with that key that's laying there. Nobody ever told you you got to stick a key in that hole and turn it. You didn't know. You just didn't know. So you walk 40 miles to work, 40 miles home to provide food for your family. Ignorance will make you very frustrated. Ignorance will wear you out. But for those who long to know truth, those who are seeking the one true God, to worship Him, to serve Him, He will show you the way. He will show you the way to be saved. He will show you the way to live the resurrected life. And He will give you strength every step of the way. The Bible teaches in Luke chapter 1 verses 74 and 75 that because our Lord has favored us, let's put it up there on the TV that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him every Sunday morning. Oh, no, I'm sorry, and Wednesday night. All the days of our lives without fear. We have resurrection life in Christ Jesus that was provided to us through the perfect love of God. Through the giving of His Son. That perfect love through that sacrifice has resurrected our Savior And because of that resurrection, He dwells in our hearts. The fullness of Christ dwells in our hearts. 
And because that Christ, that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus dwells in our hearts, that perfect love has been shed abroad in our hearts. And through that perfect love, we can serve God without fear. Without fear. Many things will come to try to bring fear. But when we're serving God scripturally, fear cannot stop what God is doing. Perfect love will cast it all out. That's only experienced when resurrection life is being partaken of. Resurrection life does not just happen. If that were the case, then all Christians would just be in a perfect place of unity. There would be no squabbling and arguing like we do. I said we. There would just be a a tiptoe of holiness through the tulips of holiness. We have to fight to lay hold on this eternal life. We have to fight to lay hold, not fight each other. We have to fight from within to keep believing that our Jesus paid the price for our sins. He was buried being symbolic of putting us away and him coming out of that grave on the third day to bring a new man out, a new man that can serve Christ without fear all the days of our lives. That is resurrection power. Resurrection power is not me getting up and putting on a display up here like I've got resurrection power through something I'm doing. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ can be upon someone when they're all by their self. Today's church wants us to look at certain individuals and, and, and call that resurrection power. Resurrection power can only be seen in the Spirit, obtained in the Spirit, experienced in the Spirit. It's not some outward display of emotions and, and, and hyper and whatever. You, and we need, to be, we need to have all that. We need to be praising God and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. But the power of the resurrection is seen in Acts 4. I don't have time to get to it today. Take a note, look at it later. They prayed in the midst of persecution. God, give us boldness to speak your word. Give us boldness, to confidence and boldness to declare your word and the glory of the Lord. This is New Testament, by the way. The glory of the Lord filled that place where they were gathered and they received what they prayed for, the power to speak, the boldness to speak the word of God. And the Bible says in Acts 4, and they had great grace upon them as they gave witness to the resurrection of Christ. Not by some outward displays, but by the preaching. Boldness to keep preaching the word in the midst of all the enemies of the cross. Boldness. They were filled with the Spirit of God and began to speak the word with boldness. And the Lord gave them, the Bible says, their great grace 
is they bear witness of the resurrection. We need to be asking the Lord for this boldness to declare His word before the persecution really comes. There's criticism, there's persecution now. And right now is the time we need to be learning what resurrection power really is and what it looks like so that we're not carried off into all the stuff that the creepers creep in and try to make us think. If we're not doing it like them, if we're not looking like them, we don't have resurrection power. If you're a Christian, you have resurrection power. But it don't look like men want you to think it looks today. It looks like humility and obedience, trusting in God's righteous judgment with boldness by the Spirit of grace to declare the truths of your Savior. Hallelujah. Don't you know, haven't you been experiencing more boldness to share it? the word in your testimony than you were two years ago? Yes, I know you have. Because when you begin to hear the story of Calvary, the word of God and the context in which it was written and laid out concerning the redemptive plan of God, you will begin to walk in boldness if you're seeing Calvary properly. You will begin to receive more boldness of the Spirit of God if you're seeing Calvary properly. Resurrection life experienced by you and me is based on what we're doing with where it comes from. It comes from in the blood. The life we have is in the blood. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?